Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. D, today we are going to continue this three-parter, and we're going to go track by track through Usual Illusion 2. We, okay, everybody, we are recording on the 30th anniversary of the day that Usual Illusion 1 and 2 were released. How <laughs> mind-blowing is that? I realize that you guys aren't going to hear it for a few days, but mind blown, we are recording 30 years to the day that people went out and bought these things in swarms. There's no way these albums are 30 years old. 30 years old, I'm afraid. Today is September 17th, 2021. I am really pumped. I hesitate to say since we haven't given final judgment yet, but I am not surprised by the fact that this album outsold Use Your Illusion 1 whenever they were first released. Well, and it's not just because of the Terminator song, right? No. There are a ton of great songs on this one. I can't wait to get into it. It's amazing that we got these two albums based on where the band was. I mean, they were in drug problems and rehab trouble and Steven Adler's fired and Axel's off the rails. Well, and this kind of brings something else up. You know, uh, Dayton Johnson is one of the guys who uh, is on the A Film By podcast. Podcast. If you guys haven't checked out the A Film By podcast, go check those guys out. Dayton helps them out. They're doing a all the movies of 1986, basically, and he's on those episodes. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And he's just gotten a new podcast himself. It's called Docking Bay 77. Go check that one out. But he hit us up after he listened to our Metallica episode. And, and we're comparing Metallica and Guns N' Roses 91 albums here. And he said, just finished with Metallica. He told me some stuff I did know, which is that they were in that little roach motel that they were staying in when they were recording. They were staying Staying with Anthrax, but something I didn't know that not he, the band Anthrax. Yes, the band <laughs> Anthrax, not the disease. <laughs> yes, he said that they actually had contemplated firing Lars right around the time that Cliff Burton died, and had Cliff not died, Lars might not have been a member of the band. What? Past that point. What are you talking about? I know. I had no idea, but that is fantastic. Before we get going, I just have to say, I was listening to our last episode, and I heard our Manscaped ad, and I was thinking, okay, this is getting a little old and crusty. You know what's getting a little old and crusty? What's my that? yard. It's, yard? The summer is winding down, and my yard needs to be mowed. We're getting a little out of control in some areas? Some bushes need to be hedged back. Some lawn mowing needs to be done. Some weed whacking needs to be done. I'm telling you what, I like my lawn mowed and trimmed. My tree always looks taller whenever I cut my grass short. That now, reminds me, we've got this new product that we want to talk to you about. It's called the Lawnmower and the Weed Whacker from Manscaped. Yeah, Lawnmower 4.0 for the other things that might be a little bit old and crusty on you right now. Let's trim those things up. In addition to mowing, you probably also need to put some conditioning on your other parts that are mowed. And so there are products that they have that make things smooth and comfortable. There and I'm is. telling you, we're starting football season. You mm -hmm. know what Tom Brady takes care of every week? His balls. <laughs> Tom Brady makes sure his balls are in ship shape. If you just need a little trimming, say up in your nose or in your ears, they have got the Weed Whacker. Definitely check that out. So go to manscapes.com, use the promo code FANSIDED20 to get 20% off of your order and check out all the fantastic stuff that they have. Whack it. <laughs> 
Okay. Another guy who is a big supporter of ours is David Wright. He's an author and an outstanding source of suggestions and information on some of the episodes that we've done. He encouraged us to watch Southern Comfort, which we brought up in the Aliens episode, which I'm guessing he's going through right now. Aliens versus Terminator versus Alien versus Terminator 2, all of that good stuff. Um, that sounds like a great episode. To listen to. <laughs> yeah, you guys should go check that out. But then he gave us a ton of suggestions. Let me just throw some of these out here. War Games versus Tron. Great. Love it. Last Starfighter versus Flight of the Navigator. I think that was one of our, our original matchups that we still haven't done together yet. Dead Poet Society versus School Ties. Rob Stoker's Dracula versus Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. But one of the best ones we were supposed to do this year is Hoosier's versus Rudy, both of them by the same writing, directing team. Hoosier is going to be 35 this year. And so it would have been a great year to do it, but we'll just have to take it up whenever, you know, whenever Rudy has an anniversary. And then he had one, which we've talked about doing Fight Club versus Seven. Yes. He suggested Fight Club versus The Sixth Sense, which twist ending, great idea, great matchup there. I don't know which of those two matchups would be better. Both 99, I think. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really good one as well. So let me just say to our Shirley fans out there, if you are interested in proposing some matchups for us, do a review for our podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. And on the review, put in, hey, you guys should do, you know, Secret of NIM versus... Watership Down, which is another one of David Wright's suggestions. Um, (laughs) But do that. Or if you've got a question, if you're like, man, I really wish I knew this about some 80s or 90s or 70s or whatever, you got any question at all, just go ahead and put that in the review. And I promise we will take up your question on the next episode that we have. We forgot to say, everybody right now, choose your illusion, right? This is the time. As we go through this album, think about Use Your Illusion 1, Use Your Illusion 2, and this is, I, I took Jason's quote. I, okay. I shouldn't do that. No, it's, it's okay. terrible. That was Jason's baby right there. Choose Your Illusion. Choose Your Illusion 1 or 2. Yeah. All right, D, it's time to go track by track through Use Your Illusion 2. Song number one, Civil War. What we've got here is failure to communicate. That line right there, that's from the movie Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Fantastic movie. The imagery continues. He's whistling the tune of when Johnny comes marching home again. And it's all steeped in this kind of political comment on the fact that all war is civil war and there isn't any war that's civil. What's so civil about war anyway? Right. So part of this, did you know that Chicago helped write this song? What? <laughs> Peter Cetera? I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say that. No, not Chicago, the band. Oh, okay. Chicago, the town. So this, one of the quotes in this song is from this Peruvian gorilla. And the only place that you can find that quote is in this article that was in the Chicago Tribune back in 1990. And the band we know was, they did some recording and some songwriting out there. So I have to say Chicago Tribune at least helped them come up with some of the lyrics for the song. That is interesting. That is interesting. So this song actually appears in 1990 mm-hmm. on a compilation album called Nobody's Child, The Romanian Angel Appeal. Okay, so real quick on this song, part of the inspiration from this song 
uh, came from back when Axel was still married to Aaron Everly. He had a brother-in-law. This is what this is. These are his words. He had a brother-in-law who was an arms dealer who was talking about how stupid all these countries were because he could sell them all these machines to kill each other with. And so I'm just thinking brother-in-law. So I started looking and her brother, Aaron Everly's brother is a musician. I don't think it was him. And she had a sister named Stacy Everly, who, if she was married, that would have been her brother-in-law and his brother-in-law. Right. So I'm thinking it's got to be that guy, but I could not find anything about it. So shout out to anybody who knows who the brother-in-law arms dealer of Axel was back in the eighties, who he would have been inspired to write part of civil war. About. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. So good. I think I'm just going to go ahead and carefully spike the football. I think this is the best song on both albums. Last and in my first memories, they shot Kennedy. I went numb when I learned to see. So I wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I know our buddy James Buckley. This is his favorite song. Oh, of course. He, of course. He told me beforehand, he's like, okay, I'm prepping for the, the podcast. And he said, I listened to all the way through Usual Illusion 1, Usual Illusion 2. He said, there were some skippers, mm-hmm. and there are. Yeah. And he said, but I listened to Civil War four times. You know how I know that this is because when I'm doing searches for this, instead of saying use your illusion, I'm like Civil War 2. I'm like, oh, wait, no, wait. It's not, the, the album isn't called Civil War. It's called Use Your Illusion. All right. So the birth of this song is really cool. So they this was an instrumental song at one point that they would do during sound checks. Yep. And Slash would play it. Axel came up with some stuff. Duff McKagan went to a like protest yeah. as a little kid. Yeah, His the- mom took him to a protest. Yeah. And he's like, you know, oh, yeah, I remember all that. So it's kind of a war protest song. The line is, did you wear the black armband when they shot the man who said peace could last forever? Yeah. And that's in reference to Martin Luther King. I think it's interesting that George Harrison and Tom Petty personally called Axel and asked him for a song. That's how we get this song oh, on that compilation. Album. Yeah. This song was first played Farm Aid in 1990, and it was the first and last song that was played with Stephen Adler. I was going to say, this is the only song on this album that has Steven Adler on the drums. And from what I understand... I think it, they pulled him off of it. Well, they, it's him on the drums, but it's about 60 different takes where they would just piece together what he had done because he could not make it through the song from beginning to end and have a quality piece. This was the song where they realized, this guy's not functioning right. He can't be our drummer anymore. Yeah, Farm Aid was the last, was that the last concert? That's it, that was the last one. So here's the funny part. They say that they fired him because of his drug use, (laughs) right? Right. Which is laughable because Axel was using, Izzy was using, Slash was using, Duff was using, and they bring in Matt Sorum as his replacement who- Immediately starts doing drugs. Yeah, I mean, it's not that he was a drug user. It's the fact he couldn't play his drums anymore. Yeah, he was so it's so bad that he couldn't play. And I think on that Farm Aid one, if you watch the video on that, you'll see him trip and fall as he's going up to his drum set. It's really too bad. This was the one that did him. Civil War reached number four on the mainstream rock chart in 1990. So it quotes the speech by this Peruvian Shining Path gorilla. He says, we practice selective annihilation of mayors and government officials, for example, to create a vacuum. Then we fill that vacuum. As popular war advances, peace is closer. Creepy. I'm going to have to think about that. Scary, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Get rid of people and then put our own people in. Yep. 
Okay, Civil War, love it. I agree with you. One of the best songs on the album for sure. Maybe best on both albums. So this one was written by Slash, Duff, and Axel. Um, and like we said, it still had Steven Adler on it, but it did not have Izzy on this one. No Izzy on this track? No Izzy on this one. We got piano by Dizzy Reed, and we've got background vocals by Duff and Dizzy, but no. Izzy is already working his way toward the exit in 1990. Right. And so, speaking of Izzy, I think it's time to jump into song number two. Song number two. 14 years. Real bluesy right out of the gate, and this is Izzy singing. Izzy on lead vocals. Here. Yeah, Izzy is playing the rhythm guitar and singing the lead vocals, and way bluesier than our standard Guns N' Roses fare. Let's keep going. All right, so this song is this song is 14 years. This is about how they were not an overnight success, right? This is their idea is. We've been doing this for 14 years before all of this fame happened to us. Anyway, Izzy and Axel both had a song called 14 Years that they just kind of like were like, wait, what? And they're the two that started together, right? Way back in Indiana. So they were friends in Indiana. This song they think was written in 1989 mm-hmm. because at that point they had been friends for about 14 years. Yeah. What Pretty cool. Yeah. They stopped playing it when Izzy left the band because not really friends anymore. Right. <laughs> right. Not really going to celebrate my friendship with Izzy on stage. It is crazy, though. I mean, how many of these songs they don't play after the album comes out? You have to wait until the Not In This Lifetime tour to hear some of these songs. Yeah. So you really like this one? I love this song. This is not one of my favorites. It's okay, but it's just not not a huge It's favorite. just, it's so diverse. It's different than Guns N' Roses. Okay, so moving on. On User Illusion 1, we had a song by Paul McCartney when he was with Wings, and now we've got a song when he was with the Beatles, Yesterday. Uh, no, it's not a cover. It's not the same? No, it's different. Oh, Yesterday's. Yesterday's. Oh, there's an S on the end. Yesterday. song's beautiful right out of the gate man it's just smooth i love it i love the the simple consistent drum beat it's great it's kind of poppy it's poppy it's it's got a country feel to it it's not appetite for destruction at all i think it's it's like a pop song with axel's voice and slash guitar which for me really works this makes me think of the guy from Infectious Grooves, Russ, who was talking to us on our last episode about the variety that you see in this album. This is so different and so good. It's just showing that this band can do more than just rock your balls off. They can also make you groove, man. They can also like make you feel like hanging out. That's right. This is a song that you can make out with your girlfriend too. <laughs> <laughs> this song we talked last week, how they filmed the video for Garden of Eden. Yeah. The same day that they filmed the video for Yesterday's. Yeah. 
because they had the camera set up and well crap why not just film two videos in one why not let's just get it all done so this is a song that was written by axel rose west arkeen del james and a guy named billy mcleod right we've talked about del james before he's the guy who wrote the short stories that november rain was based on right west arkeen he's written all kinds of songs with them yeah he was like neighbors with them yeah he wrote all kinds of stuff Stuff on Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. So, yeah, they were good friends, and he helped with the writing of this song. Okay, Yesterday's was released as a single Mm -hmm. November 9th of 92. Beautiful song. Love it. Three for three out of the gate for me. Yep. Okay, I want to say something about the music video, okay? Okay. We talked about how it was filmed the same day as Garden of Eden. All right. This music video, there's two different versions. There's a black and white, and then there's another version that shows clips and photos of the band. Right. Including Izzy. Izzy, and who had Steven. left the band. Yep. And Steven Adler. Who had gotten fired. Who had gotten fired. But still. Uh, they were a part of the process in putting this song together. Absolutely. Right? right. Okay. We done with this one? Yep. All right. Moving on to Knocking on Heaven's Door. You recognize it right off the bat. You know it's Bob Dylan, but then they come in with that smashing, crashing guitar. This is one they had been covering for a long time. Like, I think even pre-Appetite Days, they were covering this song. Yeah, I mean, there's video of them, like, in 1987 at the Ritz, I think, playing Knocking on Heaven's Door. And it's one of those things where they, they interact with the crowd, right? Axel would sing, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, and then the crowd would... They'd do the echo. They would do the echo. Awesome song. I would have loved to have seen them perform this live. The backing chorus that they have toward the end of the song. Is, I love the gospel chorus. It is amazing. It's, you know what it is? It's like Man in the Mirror is what it is. <laughs> guilty. What can I say? Right, right. That's why you love this song so much. So this song was originally written by Bob Dylan for a movie. And that movie was called... Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah, had uh, James Coburn, had Chris Christopherson, had Bob Dylan in it. What? And it had Slim Pickens in it. And Slim Pickens, as he was dying, says the lines that inspired the song to his wife, who he called Mama. Get out. Yeah. And why do we have this song? Axel said he wanted to introduce this song to the next generation. And he totally did, right? Like, I knew this song. I mean, I... In 91, I was listening to classic rock. Like I wasn't, I had given up on modern rock. So I think I actually, of the two, I owned Use Your Illusion 2. I did not get Use Your Illusion 1. But there's a lot of classic rock feel to Use Your Illusion 2, which I was vibing on at the time. And so I was familiar with the Bob Dylan version. I was also familiar with the Eric Clapton version, which is in another movie. That's how I know it. It's in the last scene of Lethal Weapon 2. Right. Like Riggs is shot. Murtaugh's down there. Don't you die, Riggs. Right. You understand? (laughs) You can't die. Right, and then in true form, the Guns N' Roses version is also in a movie. It was in Days of Thunder, 
And that is the first release of this song was on the soundtrack to that movie. Okay, let me just say, the summer of 1990, I wore out the Days of Thunder soundtrack because I love this song so much. That's the first time you see Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise in a movie together. Uh Of course, they, you know, ultimately get married and have kids that had to get returned to the prop shop whenever they got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So here you go. They started playing this June 19th of 1987. Slash loves the guitar solo. Izzy loved playing this. Called it special. Now listen, there is a phone. There's like a sound effect in the middle of this song. Uh-huh. Where there, there's like a phone, like an old style dialing of the phone. Right? Okay, yeah. There's a speaking part. There, yes. Right? Right. So here's the deal. The phone number, the beep, 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 beep. Uh-huh. That's 659-8890. Oh. Does that lead anywhere? (laughs) I don't know the area code. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've listened to this song 10,000 times. Right. Okay. What does he say right there? So this is by Josh Rickman. And he says, you just better start sniffing your own rank subjugation, Jack, because it's just you against your tattered libido, the bank and the mortician forever, man. And it wouldn't be luck if you could get out of life alive. That's a lot. They spit that out. (laughs) He spits it out pretty quick. Knock it on heaven's door. Listen, I I don't want to overstate this. It's one of my favorite songs of the 90s. It's one that I keep coming back to. I can play this a million times in a row and continue to love it. It's my favorite song on this album. Wow. I mean, it's a cover, but it's still the one I keep coming back to. Nice. Nice. You know, you mentioned that this they had played this song a lot and it had kind of been around. On the B side of Welcome to the Jungle, there is a live version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Oh, nice. If you were lucky enough to have that maxi cassette. <laughs> I just uh, like the word maxi. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody asked Bob Dylan, they're like, hey, Guns N' Roses did a song, Knocking on Heaven's Door. What do you think? And he's like, it was okay, but it's kind of like being an invasion of the body snatchers. I don't really know what that means, but that's what he said. Okay. So invasion of the body snatchers is when the people are replaced with soulless robot. Like, <laughs> so I don't think it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. He and Slash had actually done a song together. So he's kind of friends with Slash. Yeah. Not sure he's a huge fan of this. Song, I don't though. think it doesn't sound like it. This reached number 16 on the Hot Rock Charts in 1990, and Adam Sandler does a great impression of this song. That hurt right there, right there. I can see that. (laughs) We done with this one in the gospel choir? Yeah. Okay. I think it's time for you and me to get in the ring. Okay, it sounds like this is a live song, but it's not. This chant that you have is from one of their live shows. It's really cool. The guns. Mm. 
Roses. It's not live, but it still sounds really neat. The, the guys at Roses. So you know the story behind the song, right? Tell, tell me. me. You tell me the story behind the song. Well, so Axel takes out his anger on all the journalists who he perceived as sliding the band. So one of the particular people that he calls out is Bob Guccione Jr. Yes, from Spin Magazine. From Spin Magazine, whose dad is the founder of Penthouse Magazine. Right. Spin was kind of like this more edgy version of Rolling Stone Magazine. They had even said the future of music, and they listed off three bands, one of which was Guns N' Roses. So like they're promoting them to a degree, but then after a while, they did kind of a dirt like a mud smear thing on them and <laughs> to sum it all down to two words axel's an asshole yeah he is three words sorry <laughs> <laughs> yes he is i think that's pretty clear So Bob Guccione Jr. and Spin Magazine, they actually went back to Indiana and they started interviewing people in his past, Yeah, which he didn't appreciate. No. He also called him Bill, (laughs) (laughs) which is a no-no when you're talking to Axel. Right. Okay. So do you know the rest of the story? No. So he actually challenged, like Bob Guccione was like, do you want to actually have a fight? (laughs) And, And Axel was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until he realized that Bob Guccione had been trained as a fighter for like nine years. Oh like, my gosh. Ah, uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for your stupid fights anymore. I'm above it. Yeah. Right. So just a few guys that he mentions by name in the song are Andy Setcher, Hit Parader, Mick Wall of Kerrang, and then of course Bob Guccione Jr. from Spin. Yeah. And you would think that this was an Axel, like Axel is the one that <laughs> I know. jumped on. This was actually Duff that was like, hey, we need to write a song to address these problems. The song was originally called Why Do You Look at Me When You Hate Me, which I can understand like the meaning of, you know, you guys are getting all of this business from us. So why are you suddenly trashing us? That doesn't even make sense. But then it changed to get in the ring, MFR, and then it just changed to get in the ring. Right. So this is the song, like when my friends and I first got this album, Uh this is the one we played for each other. Like, oh my gosh, check it out. He's calling these guys out by name. (laughs) He's calling everybody, you know, F you, MF or get in the F and ring. But 30 years later, this to me is the biggest crime on the album. Save one. And we'll talk about that at the end. You're saying you don't like this song. I like it. I think the music's good. I think it's got sort of fun tones to it, Uh but I just find it classless, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's petty. It is it is definitely petty, but why are we surprised that Guns N' Roses would be petty? No, we're, we're not. not. No. So Mick Wall had a book called Guns N' Roses, the most dangerous band in the world. And that was where he did the interviews and stories about the band. There were claims that the real reason was an interview he had conducted back in 1990 for Kerrang! that included Axel's threat of harm to Vince Neil of yeah. Motley Crue. Yeah. But the full story on that one is on our next song. So that song is Shotgun Blues. Okay. Although the story behind the song is pretty interesting, I would get rid of this song. This song sucks. Yeah, but we've established you and I are not punk fans. Right. This is the punkiest of the Guns N' Roses songs I think that you can get. If you love punk, you probably like this song. It's not for me. It's not for me either. You know who does love this song? No. 
Duff. And Duff is like the most punky of the, of right. the group, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit later about one of his idols that from the punk days and his inspiration behind another song. But let's talk about the story behind this one. Okay, what you got? So apparently Vince Neal's wife met up with Izzy Stradlin at some point. Izzy made <laughs> some remarks to her that Vince Neal did not like. That's true. Yeah. And so backstage at the Video Music Awards in 1989, we talked about this a little bit two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. We may have even mentioned it. I'm not sure if we did. We may have mentioned it on our Motley Crue episode as well. I think we did. Yeah. I think we did. It's interesting because that Video Music Awards, Don Henley had to play drums for Steven Adler, who was in rehab. Izzy said something that Vince didn't like to his wife. So... Vince punched Izzy backstage, and of course, Axel jumps in. And Molly Cruz, the one that presented the award that Guns N' Roses won. Like, I know. I mean, that is like, okay, here's your award. See you backstage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Vince knocked him out. And then Axel said, let's go, Vince, anytime. And so Vince is like, kind of like Bob Gucciano Jr., he's yeah. like, name the time, name the place, we'll put it on pay per view, and we'll duke it out. I would have paid the pay-per-view money to watch that fight for sure. I know, right? So anyway. So anyway, great story, not a great song. Great story, not a great song. So let's This move. song needs to go. Yeah. Like this album is better if this song goes. Totally agree. Next song, breakdown. Okay, D, this is the hidden gem on this album. You like this one? I love this song. And like, I didn't really know it before we started diving into this. This is like climbing the Guns N' Roses ladder for me on best songs uh, in their catalog. Coming from the cold, we come down from the wire. I, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. Hidden gem on this album that I was not familiar with before we started doing this. I love it. I love the, the banjo, which Slash didn't know how to play the banjo, so he just strung a banjo like a guitar and played it that way. <laughs> right. I, this is the second song that we have with whistling. It's the second song that's got that kind of rat-a-tat-tat like the, like the soldier march in it. And it's when you listen to this piano come in, it totally makes me think of a swinging country version of the piano that's in the second part of November Rain. I totally agree, yeah. And then at about a minute in, when the guitars come in, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like Leonard Skinner Freebird. This is fantastic. Love it. Love what they did with it. Great song. It's like Southern rock. Here's the thing. You could play this song. You and I like to go to Silver Dollar City in Branson. <laughs> yeah. If they played this at Silver Dollar City. You like to go there. I don't know that I would say <laughs> I like to go there. D is too cool for Silver Dollar City. Oh, I just... Yeah. You know, we've got some we got some friends down south now. Van Allen Plexico and oh, David yeah. Wright. These yeah. guys are like Alabama guys. Yeah. So down there, I think they have Dollywood. Yeah. I went there this summer. Yeah. this They could play this at Dollywood. Oh, yeah. This is a great Guns N' Roses countrified swinging <laughs> song. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
lyrics are about a relationship gone bad, which is almost every song Guns N' Roses makes. But the guitar work on this, the whistling, it's it makes me happy to listen to this one. And you mentioned Van Allen Plexico. Be sure and check out his podcast. It's on. Well, he has a Van Allen Plexico does a podcast called White Rocket. And it's on, it, they cover Babylon 5, but they also dip into the movie thing. But he's written some books on Auburn football. I mean, he's like a expert on Auburn football. Great fan. Love all of the interactions and the bits of wisdom that he gives us. I love it. Yes. Slash said that this was the most difficult song on the entire album to record. I can see that. I guess it's because he didn't really know how to play the banjo. Probably. And here's the other thing. Spin Magazine. Yeah. Keep, you know, Bob Gucciani Jr. Right. I love how they describe this song. Yeah. This song is like Elton John singing Wanted Dead or Alive. Love it. Love it. Cool. Great. Perfect. Captures it. Absolutely. All right. This is the hidden gem for me. Totally agree. Me too. All right. The next song we have is called Pretty Tied Up The Perils of Rock and Roll Decadence. Okay, this is a great bit of music with some truly horrifying lyrics. (laughs) Okay, guys, we're going to try and keep this one PG-13. Yeah, this is, yeah, I don't know what to say about this. Great to listen to if you don't listen to what the words say. I don't think I really have studied the lyrics. I like the song. Yeah. Yeah. I like the music. Yeah. This was written by Izzy. Yeah, Izzy wrote this one. And this is one, if you've got the the CD or the the liner notes, that right in the middle of it, there's this very weird thing that's almost like a skull and crossbones, where you've got the crossbones, but instead of a skull, you have like a dismembered female naked body with her hair being pulled. So Izzy tells a story. Here we go. I'm going to try and keep this PG-13. All right. Yeah, go. Okay. Izzy tells a story. He had a buddy named Tony. Uh-huh. And they went over to this girl's house. Her name was Margo. And she was just hanging out with them. And she said, hey, you guys want a tequila? Sure. And they walked into the next room and they saw a man uh-huh. tied up, uh-huh. like duct taped to the wall, <laughs> wearing women's underwear All right. with an onion in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? What? What is, what, what is going on here? <laughs> I don't think I even would have gotten the words out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is the wrong house. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> I have no interest in this. I will be leaving now. Oh, wow. She said that's a client. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. The interesting thing about this song, Slash has stated that this song was written at, at Izzy's house. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Before the band went to Chicago in 89, according to Slash, Izzy was so high on heroin that that night he made a sitar out of a cymbal, a broomstick, and some strings. Wow. Okay. So it's interesting, though. This one has a sitar, too. Remember, in the Black Album, we have... Wherever I May Roam. Right. You got two albums that we're comparing, both with the random sitar, sitar in, the, in the middle of the album. Good call. Good call. That's awesome. Yeah. How do you like this one? Mixed feelings? Uh... Good music. I don't. I could believe it because the 
The rest of it's too creepy for me. You got me all interested now. See the lyrics. Do you want to know what the lyrics are? She's pretty tied up, hanging upside down. She's pretty tied up. You can ride her. She's pretty tied up, hanging upside down. I can't tell you she's the right one. Okay. Yep. Moving on. Alrighty. To a song called Locomotive. A great musical intro to this one. It's kind of funky metal, right? Yeah, I love the bass line. Guitar comes in, it's strong. So this one was one that Slash had written the music for, and Axel has some trouble coming up with the lyrics. Yeah, did you hear what he said to his manager about this? He, he calls and complains. He's like, how am I supposed to write lyrics to songs like this? I mean, yeah. And he named this one specifically. It's, yeah. it's musically intricate, but where did the words go? Yeah, this was Doug Goldstein, and Doug Goldstein's response to him was, well, that's your job, Axel. I manage the band. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help you. Sorry. You're the singer of Guns N' Roses. Let me let me check my job listing here. <laughs> song right, song right. Nope, not on here. <laughs> not going to help you. Slash writes the music, you write the words. That's how it works. Yep. Okay, so for me, the interesting thing about this, mm-hmm. Slash recalls writing this song and Coma, kind of working on them both at the same time, right. around the time that they filmed the video for Patience. Okay. And I looked it up. And the date that they filmed the video for Patience, Valentine's Day, 1989. Pretty cool. Yeah. What were you doing on Valentine's Day, 1989? <sighs> Trying to solve the mysteries of the bra class? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Listen probably. To, listen to a little 5150, maybe. <laughs> My go-to at that time was, uh, I'll be there for you by Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so there's some interesting lyrics in this song. Okay. okay. Yep. This is the only song that mentions the words, use your illusion. And what does that mean, Jason? It doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? It just says, you can use your illusion, let it take you where it may, we live and learn, and then sometimes it's best to walk away. It's deep. Not really. No? No. This is about a relationship going bad. Some people thought that this was directed at Stephanie Seymour. You know, we talked in the previous song about Izzy walking into a room and discovering a naked man. Doug Goldstein, the manager for Guns N' Roses, we talked about last week how the first time he met Stephanie Seymour, he opened the door and she was standing there buck naked. Yeah. That's a little more pleasant than the than the guy. Than the naked man with the onion in his mouth? (laughs) Yes. A little. (laughs) Hair. Hair more pleasant. So Locomotive is one of those songs that comes up when people talk about Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah. Like the off the beaten track songs yeah and i get it yeah it's definitely a quality song great it's not song. A skipper the 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 guitar work on this is really strong it's funky it's upbeat i like it 
I know our buddy Russ from the Infectious Grooves podcast mentioned this one specifically as one that he loves from this right. album. Yeah. Okay, moving on to a song called So Fine. So when I mentioned punk earlier, this is the song I was referring to. Surprised? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's not punk at all, right? Yeah. It's not remotely punk. But in the, in the liner notes and the lyrics that are on the paper here, on this album, this is written by Duff, and it is dedicated to Johnny Thunders. So Johnny Thunders was a guy who was a leader in the punk movement back in the early 70s. He was with New York Dolls, and then he went on to another group called the Heartbreakers, not Tom Petty, different Heartbreakers, and it was sometimes called Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Okay. But Duff has dedicated this song to him. He died April 23rd, 1991. Most people would guess it was probably drug-related, Right. But there's a lot of mystery surrounding his death. Like D.D. Ramone of the Ramones talks about in his book calling and saying he got involved with some bastards who ripped him off for his methadone supply and gave him LSD and then murdered him. And so, I mean, it's this thing that nobody's looked into. Like, it's very, very strange. He had a neighbor called Willie DeVille who, when the people started calling him because he lived next door, he made up a story. He said, well, he died with his guitar in his hand. But he said that was completely not true. He came out in the shape of a U. Like, he was he was in bad shape. But, like, the rigor mortis the made rig- his body yeah. You? Yeah, not a good picture. Not with his guitar in his hand? Not with his guitar in his hand. Okay. So that's what this song is about. I don't know how he looks so fine when he's in the shape of a U rigor mortis, but I think it's really about when he was alive and the inspiration that he was to Duff in his punk days. That's nice. I've got a funny story about this song. Okay, let's go with that. Let's. You want to hear a funny story? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so one of the crew members, this guy's name was Craig Dewswald. Right? Yes. And his job was to put the words on the monitors for Axel in case he forgot the words or got lost or whatever. I love this story. (laughs) (laughs) So... Normally, Slash would yell out the song title to him off stage. So the night that they played this, Slash yelled, Used to love her! Right. So he puts the words to Used to Lover up on the screen, but when the song starts, he doesn't recognize it as Used to Lover. Right. So he's scanning his song list in his brain, like, what is this song? I don't understand it. And he's like, oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. This is not Used to Lover. Right. But Used to Lover is still on the teleprompter. Right. And so he's like, Axel's going to freaking kill me if I don't get the words up here. Yeah. He hears him start singing, and he's like, wait, he's not singing these words. (laughs) And so he's like, well, that's okay. I'll just wait for the chorus. There's no chorus in this song. (laughs) (laughs) so he starts to panic and slash is cracking up (laughs) so yeah all craig can think is okay when they fire me after this (laughs) are they gonna fly me home or do i have to fly home my own dollar (laughs) i like this song it's it's got a sweet feel to it it's nice it's not my favorite but i like it it's yeah it's good okay moving on to maybe the masterpiece of this album Mm -hmm. this song is called estranged
Okay, so D, this is a musical symphony to the ears. This is like a Guns N' Roses, November Rain-like masterpiece. I could see this as like a song in a musical theater, like on Broadway. Like this is, this is not anything like any, not only Guns N' Roses song, but anything anybody else was doing at the time. It is more melodic, there's no chorus, there's so much emotion that he's got going on in this song. Right. I could totally see it being, you know, part of Les Mis or something. You know, this is this this is an emotional, powerful, musically complex song. There's multiple piano solos, there's multiple guitar solos. Axel wrote this song when he and Aaron Everly were getting their marriage annulled. Oh. I mean, you get the title, Estranged. Yeah, that's where you get this emotional subtext to all of these grunts and moans even in this song. It's truly amazing. Okay, I'm going to tell you something that's going to, you're going to, it's going to blow your mind. You ready? Yeah. Okay, I told you I wasn't really listening to this kind of music in 1991. Right. I've never seen this video. Okay. <laughs> so the video is the real story here. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I mean, I say that. The video is a major part of the story. Okay. So you have this beautiful, complex, masterfully done song, and then you match it up with a video. Remember we said last time, November Rain's budget was $1.4 million, which made it one of the most expensive videos ever made. Right. Estranged cost $4 million. Holy crap. To make the video. Okay. I need to watch this. Let's... We're going to take a moment. Dee's going to watch this video, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. While I'm looking this up, Dee, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden. Keep in mind, Soundgarden actually opened for Guns N' Roses on the Usual Illusion tour. Mm -hmm. So this is not somebody who's not familiar with these guys or not right. friends with them, right? Right. He took issue with the level of decadence on display in this video, okay? Uh -huh. With Axel in particular. Yeah. He's like, who does he think he's appealing to other than Donald Trump? <laughs> Right. Okay. So there's there's scenes of him at his house. It's his actual house showing off his wealth. They rented a freaking tanker, like an oil tanker. Uh -huh. And there's dolphins and all this stuff. He said, I was offended by it. It takes a lot for me to get offended. I mean, who gives a crap about all this stuff? And yet Axel puts it on display. So it's interesting that you bring up Chris Cornell because I didn't realize the close connection. Soundgarden opened up for Guns N' Roses for a large part of their tour, right? Right, right. And he formed a friendship with basically everybody in the band except Axel. He said he, you never saw him. He said he, he only remembers actually seeing him like in the hallway one time. And it was this weird, like he's dressed in like the spandex, short, short spandex. And he's like, hey, man, and goes by. He's like, I felt like I was in a comic book. It was so bizarre. Wow. And so I watched, you know, I learned this literally, you know, listening to this as I'm driving, I go to Academy to buy some sports stuff for my kids. And as I walk in the door, the song that's playing is patience as covered by chris cornell and i was like oh, oh wow this is a beautiful is little cool. moment so if you haven't heard that version of patience chris cornell's beautiful voice and does something different with the melody it's truly a beautiful song so you gotta check that out let's listen to that a little clip of that right here I love it, man. True loss. True All right. Loss. D, 
check out the video estranged here sure. we go you've seen the video now what do you think okay favorite part was when the dolphin came swimming out of the back of the jumbo jet (laughs) what the heck was that dude it's just excess you know it's just rock and roll excess james cameron did not direct that video you know how i know how's that because i could not see four million dollars on the screen that's right i could i couldn't see a buck 50 on the screen that was terrible i think they rented that tanker which costs like a hundred grand an hour or the something aircraft like. carrier yes oh and then the they had the like the coast guard helicopter oh my gosh and what was the beginning with the ambulance coming in at the same time as the swat team <laughs> in standard two by two formation and the quarterback is toast <laughs> what was that that was terrible as much as i love the song that video was a steaming pile of doo-doo. I mean, it's just rock and roll excess, you know? Ah, it's terrible. The yeah. song, though, terrible. is incredible. Slash really doing his part to make this song epic. Yeah, the, the, the guitar is good. Slash on a dolly going down the sidewalk next to the rainbow bar is a bit odd, but whatever. Hey, by the way, that beautiful house in Malibu that you see, that's Axl Rose's actual house. Yeah. Or was. Right, yeah. I like those Converse shoes. They were cool. They actually had an axle on the uh, on the rear of this of the shoe. Yeah. This yeah. is the best song on the album. Uh, I disagree, but it's good. My favorite is still Knocking on Heaven's Door, but this is the best one. Okay. All right. Are we done with the strange? Yeah, we can move on. And, oh, but we need to know that this is part of a trilogy, right? Thank you. Let's so, talk about that. So we have November Rain. Don't Cry. Which both are on Usually, usually one. one. And then we have this one, which comes along on Usually Your Illusion 2. Now, both albums came out at the same time. Videos were not done at the same time. Right. And you noted that there's notable missing character in strange video right if you've seen part one of the trilogy don't cry you have stephanie seymour all over that part two november rain she's all over that they actually attend her funeral mm-hmm. and then she was supposed to be in part three estranged but they had broken up and so she was absent ironic <laughs> that they had become estranged at that point yes yes i also really like the dictionary notes that we would get it's like a pop-up video That's right. And I think at the very end of the song, it says, lose your illusions, right? Yeah. And I was distracted by the dolphin sitting next to Axel in his (laughs) bathrobe. What a weird video that was. Wow. All right. Let's move on to a more fun song. The next song. Yeah. You could be mine.
Okay, I'm thinking about Brad Moore in the back of the theater, rocking out to this song as he's <laughs> waiting to pull the last can off. This is such a good song. And I just also want to throw this out there. Brad mentioned that his 15-year-old son is also listening to us, which we deliberately make ourselves family-friendly so that you can listen with your teenage kid. But Brad Moore says his 15-year-old is listening to us, He and he's friends with James Buckley's daughter, who is also in that age range. And uh, I saw on Facebook that she went as her favorite decade to school and she was decked out in 80s gear. She wore a Purple Rain shirt to school. Love it. Love it. I don't know if we can take credit for that, but we did run the Purple Rain (laughs) episodes this summer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Okay, let's talk about You Could Be Mine. This was in the Terminator 2 movie. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger actively campaigned for these guys personally to contribute a song to Terminator 2. He invited them to his house to to, to finalize the deal. Let's we want this song to be a part of the movie. The governor <laughs> called them up. He gave them each leather jackets that had bullet holes in them, just like you see in the movie. Ah, oh, sweet. And he actually personally selected this song. Now I wish I knew more about the selection process. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they gave him, hey, here's 10 songs. What do you think is the best? But he chose You Could Be Mine. This song was written in 1987 during the Appetite for Destruction days. Yeah. So this was originally written by Izzy about a woman named Angela Nicoletti. She was a girlfriend who ended up marrying the lead guitarist for Hanoi Rocks. Oh, right. That we talked about before. Yes. The song, as it was originally written, was called Cocaine Talking. Okay. Okay. Now, Duff gave an interview like in 1988 talking about this song, Cocaine Talking. He's like, people think we're druggies, but we don't do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They only think we're cocaine users because there's a song called Cocaine Talking. Well, that song became You Could Be Mine. So the lyric, with your bitch slap rapping and your cocaine tongue, you get nothing done. That appears in the inner sleeve of Appetite for Destruction. I was hoping to blow your mind with that. Fact. I am sorry. I know it's it's tragic. But if you look at the liner notes for Use Your Illusion, it's got Ain't It Fun. Which they later play on the Spaghetti Incident. Yep. This one in the in the lyrics, they do a special thanks to Bernie Topin and Elton John. And then they have a line in the song that says, we've seen that movie too. This is a reference to the Elton John song. I've seen that movie too from the album Goodbye Yelper Crow. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So you mentioned that line, bitch slap rabbit in a cocaine tongue, you get nothing done. Yeah. Was in the liner notes for Guns N' Roses' first album, Appetite for Destruction. Uh-huh. You should have seen my friend's eyes fall out of his head when I pointed that out back in 91. So we were sitting around as people used to do. Right. And we'd pop in our CDs and we were listening to it. He's like, what is he saying there? Mm -hmm. As soon as I spelled it out, what he was saying, his eyes got big. He's like, that's in the liner notes for appetite. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. So you want to talk about the video on this one real quick? Sure. 
So we, of course, get Terminator all over the place, right? Yeah. But in the video, the Terminator is after Guns N' Roses. Yes. He's terminating Axel. So it shows him, it shows a bunch of clips from the movie, of course, and then it shows him at the concert and he's in the front row and then he goes backstage and he's doing his little, you know, computer analysis on everybody and basically ends up with a decision. Waste waste of of ammo. ammo. (laughs) (laughs) You know what song this replaced in the Terminator? The song that was originally in that spot was I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. And when Arnold was able to recruit Guns N' Roses and get them to produce something quickly enough to put in the movie, they replaced it with You Could Be Mine. Good call. Yep. Great song. Fun song. I associate it a lot with Terminator 2. Flashback to our Terminator 2 episode that we did this summer versus Terminator 1. Ready to move on? Let's move on. Okay. Okay. So this brings us to Don't Cry, the alternate version. Yep. Russ mentioned that he liked the lyrics better in this version than in the version from Use Your Illusion 1. Right. What do you think? I don't really care because I listen to the music. Uh, it is different. It does strike my ear differently. Mm-hmm. I think i got to stick with the one I'm more familiar with, so I'm, I'm going to take the one off Use Your Illusion 1. But I do think it's fascinating how Axel came up with this. He said, hey guys, there's something happening in my brain when you play Don't Cry. I've got these words appearing in my head, so roll tape, and he just riffed these lyrics. The music is the same from this beautiful song, so I love them both. It's the same song, it's just different lyrics. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like the one that I'm used to, which is off of Use Your Illusion 1, but this is still it's a great one. It's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. Can't beautiful be, song is a beautiful song. If you get to put song. a song on there twice, might as well be this one. That's right. I'm waiting for the alternate to uh, November Rain. Okay. The last song on Use Your Illusion 2 uh-huh. is called My World. You want to step into my world. It's a social psychotic state of bliss. You've been delayed in the real world. How many times have you hit it? What the crap is this? This is their attempt at rap, gangster rap. Is that what this is? The story is is that Axel was into Nine Inch Nails and progressive rock. This and is not that. It sounds like rap, and he, you know, NWA and Body Count had been on the tour. Yeah. With them, so maybe they had some influence. I don't really know. It's just it's no. weird. <laughs> It doesn't belong on this album. Right. Axel finished this in three hours. He was on mushrooms when he did it. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) that could be a factor. Sure. Sure. So listen to this. This is so how crazy Axel is, right? Mm -hmm. Axel believes that Duff actually likes this song. Duff has said, I like this song. Okay. He thinks that Slash just said that, so Axel would put it on the album, and then people would hate it. I totally lost you there. It's the double secret probation thing. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Izzy hated this. Uh-huh. And in fact, he didn't even know it was going to be on the album until the albums were like printed and handed to him. Uh-huh. And when he listened, he's like, what the F is this? Yeah. How did this get on there? Right. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. This has never been performed live, and this is considered a completely Axel song. And scene. Okay. This song is awful. It needs to go. Yeah. I did I see you do that. I love I love bands who are smart enough to temp pull their songs, put a great finish on it, and they totally botched this one. And Rocket Queen is a great yeah. finish to appetite. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk. Black versus Use Your Illusion 1 versus Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah. Rank them one, two, three, ready, set, go. Okay. I'm a lot more torn than I thought I would be. Okay. Right. I right. like his coming into this, I'm like, without hesitation, black. Love it. Okay. Can't you can't beat it. Okay. I listened to it over and over and over again. I had forgotten how good Use Your Illusion 2 is. It's really, really good. And so I gotta look at it here and I gotta say, okay. Civil War, huge winner. Yesterday's really dang good. Knocking on heaven's door, huge. It doesn't make it. It's close. It's a lot closer than I thought, but I've got to say, top album of the three has to be Black. Use Your Illusion 2 is a close second. Use Your Illusion 1 is a distant third. Okay, that's fair, I think. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I'm glad that you that we moved the needle for you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So here's how I, I rank them. If I'm walking out the door, I'm going on a road trip, I can grab one of these. Yep. My first choice is usually two. Okay. Okay. It's diverse. It's beautiful. It rocks. There's so many great songs on it. It's just, it really works for me. Yeah. Next one is the Black Album. Right. Side one of the Black Album is all killer, no filler. There are some songs on the backside that aren't as good to me. Right. But there's so many wonderful beautiful, heavy, melodic Metallica mm. songs. Yep. And then like you, Use Illusion 1 is kind of a distant third. Yeah. We reached out to our buddy Brando, who runs the Appetite for Distortion podcast, and it's just a Guns N' Roses podcast. And so we asked him to weigh in what he thinks about the Use Your Illusion albums, and here's what he had to say. September 17th, 1991. Where was I when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out? Was I at Tower Records midnight ready to buy them? Well, if I was old enough, I would have. I was eight, so probably seeing Secret of the Ooze and Ninja Turtles uh, 2 would be for the umpteenth time asking my parents to take me to that. So I was too young. But as soon as I was cognizant of, of Guns N' Roses and I saw, especially November Rain, specifically November Rain on MTV, it changed my life forever. And as soon as I could buy my own CDs, you bet I bought Use Your Illusion 1 first. I couldn't afford two right away because one had November Rain. These are albums I listen to, well, 30 years later. And it bothers me when people say it should have been one record. No way. For a variety of reasons. If you chip away at anything that these records had, it takes away from the exact reason why we're still talking about it 30 years later. Even my world. Yes, even my world. My world is a precursor to Chinese democracy. Think about that one. But it's a, it's a perfect road trip soundtrack. It has aged beautifully. It really has from the artwork. Each song can mean something to you different at different times of your life. Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion too. There are no other records that we're going to talk about in another 30 years. Think about that. If you're like me, 38 years old, I'll be talking about Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 when I'm 68. Old that, huh? 
but I'm only 68. You know what I mean? Young and hard, only 28. Yeah, if you if you know the records, you know what my my terrible joke is, is about. But just brilliant albums. And Axel famously said in one of his interviews to Kurt Loder that he wanted to bury Appetite, that he wanted to go through Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 with a fine-tooth comb. I think he did that. He went through it with a fine-tooth comb. And I think as a whole, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, whatever you prefer as a whole, I think he buried Appetite. And mic drop. He came strong with that, didn't he? It was strong, yeah. I want to kill Appetite for Destruction, and I did. There you go. I mean, he he mentioned a few things in there. I mean, he called it life-changing, you know, November Rain, one of his favorite songs of all time, and that my world is something that should be cherished and included. It's pretty strong. Yeah, I love it. I love the strong take. I don't know that I agree with everything that he said, but I sure do like the way that he said it. It's pretty awesome. Brando, thank you very much. If you guys like Guns N' Roses, you need to check out his podcast, Appetite for Distortion. He's a big Guns N' Roses guy, and we asked him on as a GNR expert. Brando, thank you very much. Here's the one thing that I will say that I totally agree with. This will be an album that we're still listening to 30 years from now. I think you're right, too. I think you're right. November Rain is timeless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thanks very much, man. That was great. Thanks, Brando. Now, uh, we would definitely want to hear from our listeners. Where do you guys rank these three? Right. And you mentioned this. You mentioned this. So if you took the 12 best on Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 and put that against the Black Album. So I think, I mean, this is, I don't want to delve too deeply into this, but we've got to have Dust and Bones, right? We've got to have Live and Let Die. We've got to have probably both versions of Don't Cry. I would pick Double Talk and Jive, certainly November Rain. A lot of people would say The Garden. And then of course you've got Civil War, Yesterday's Knock on Heaven's Door, Locomotive, Estranged, and you can Gotta fine. Finish the Album with You Could Be Mine. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really strong album. If you took the greatest hits of these two, I would have to say that Guns N' Roses beats out Black Album. Slam dunk. I'm I'm spiking the football on that one. The 12 best songs from Use Your Illusion, that album is better than the Black Album. Yeah, I agree. Tell us what you think, guys. Check us out on Twitter, at Shirley Podcast. Check out our Facebook page. We're constantly putting stuff up there just to be silly, but also some good questions. And don't forget to leave a review. Ask us any question you want, and we will answer it on our next episode. Okay, another great take. Uh, these There's so much smart stuff going on here. Brando, thank you for taking the time to do that for us. They run a great podcast over there, Appetite for Distortion, for you Guns N' Roses fans. Guys, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you can hear our next episode. We're going to be covering some major horror movies come October. We're going to be hitting M versus Silence of the Lambs. M is a movie from 1931. This is definitely the oldest movie we've ever covered. Right. But it's fantastic. It's part of an Ozzy Osbourne video, Mr. Tinker Train, which we covered. That's how we we came across it. Yeah, We think it fits. So. M versus Silence of the Lambs. We've got American Werewolf in London versus The Howling. Both turning 40 this year. Fantastic movies. Can't wait to get into that. Be sure and check those out. We'll see you here next week on the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast.